0: But something that when it comes to goals and, and um, moving forward, I always like to ask the question, you know, if you had a perfect day or perfect week, what would that look like? So anyway, when we talk about that first week or that first month, I mean, if you can't envision it, you're never going to achieve it. So being as concrete as you can um and that visualization which I know that you used to think the visualization was like kind of hokey (laughs) you've talked about that before but um yeah so as you're planning ahead if you had the perfect week or the perfect month what does that look like and also if you if it's not perfect I find that my client's biggest successes come from their ability to get back on the horse. So, welcome, millionaires and future
1: millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled Podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires, will unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now, to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled Podcast. This is episode number 336. Stace. How's it going?
0: I'm nervous.
1: For what? The new year? That wasn't supposed to be funny. I was just being serious.
0: No, because we haven't done a Thursday episode in a couple of weeks. I've had no voice. And we're back. And I tried to ask you ahead of recording what we're talking about. And you said it was going to be a surprise. So I don't know what to expect. And I don't do so well with that.
1: I know, but I do great with a kind of squashed together, quick agenda in my head, spontaneous rock and roll. I've had this planned actually for three years right now, <laughs> and we're just going to crush it because it's your year, year end episode. And You've
0: had this planned for three years, and I wasn't even a co-host three years ago?
1: Pretty much. I mean, that's just how my life works, right? Like, I've got things for five years and ten years, and I don't really know how the outcome's actually going to work, but I got a it plan.
0: <laughs> it's true. We actually do plan our entire family plan about a year in advance which frustrates some of my siblings which I love them all dearly but we try to get things on the calendar and they're like we can't plan that far in advance I'm like well we have our 2024 scheduled so
1: no it's we've taken it up even a level above that just because you know we started wanting to put these experiences and this actually gets into one of the the main things I mean we had what you kind of interviewed me a little bit ago but I get all sorts of emails and we'll get into this in a minute, but one of the things I think for lessons learned from some of these millionaires this year that we've taken even more to another level is planning out some of these things that are important to us from an experience standpoint, not just in a year in advance, but also, and several years in advance to make sure, you know, for example, like I want to make sure that I'm at the 2028 Olympics. So we've got that on our calendar and booked the, oh, i wasn't just kidding. We didn't book the Airbnb yet, but <laughs> we're close. If I could, I would, you know, make sure that... And the other thing, too, is the, the bargains you get when you plan that far in advance. I mean, our plane tickets, you know, in some cases, I think we got our plane tickets on our recent cruise for like $59 or something. It's ridiculous, you know? And that's on American Airlines, not even Spirit.
0: And we, we even got to recline. It's <laughs> fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, you're this is our last episode of the year, and I thought it'd be fun slash interesting because I get quite a few requests over the months and the years to get more information or they want to know what's in my head and what I think and which has really never been what the show's been about. It was never me and Clark, but I get it. You, know, you hear my voice every week and maybe you get tired of it. And that's why I try to shut up and let our guests talk more. But at any rate, I get enough of these requests that I thought, you know, hey, this would be a good time to dive into a little bit of these things and kind of give, you know, an update on us, the podcast and where things have come, and then probably you throw out a few key lessons that we've learned and that we've adjusted and mindset shifts that I guess we've had from doing the show this year. So yeah, I've been planning for three years.
0: Excellent. Well, let's get started.
1: So I guess the biggest thing changed for this year is having you join, which has been amazing because quite frankly, we've failed at, I don't know, four or five other businesses together. Oh, no. I. <laughs> Why is mean, that funny?
0: Well, I mean, no, the the failure is that... I have found although you're although you're amazing at business which I so appreciate I take it personally when you try to talk about like my business ventures <laughs> so uh that's why things haven't panned out it's just because i take everything personally it's like a personal attack on me and our marriage when he has suggestions so but the podcast is great neutral ground it's been fun
1: yeah i know you can critique me as long as as, so can all of our listeners as well and i take it as healthy feedback for the most part
0: i don't really critique you i like this is your thing i just
1: show up yeah, but it's kind of your show now. I mean, the the oh. crowd is yeah. loving you. Yeah, they love you way more than me.
0: I'm just happy to be along for the ride.
1: So, yeah, we added you as the co-host this year, which has been great. We kind of went through a couple of things and, and you know, rocking ground, I guess, so to speak, trying to figure some of that out. But
0: Which me joining was like a Hail Mary. It was like... I don't even remember what the first one was when you asked me to do it, but yeah, I, anyway, it's been fun, but it was definitely unexpected on my end.
1: Yeah. And, uh, it's gone well. So we will, uh, we'll continue to have you and we'll see how things transpire going forward.
0: That means I might get fired, but that's...
1: (laughs) No, 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 you're great. So yeah, I guess... The other thing everybody always wants to know is what's the average net worth of all the guests that you've ever had? Yes, I have the number. It's around three and a half million. And it's been pretty steady there, actually, since we really hit, I think, episode 50. Now, that removes a few of the outliers. So, you know, those that were over 100... You know, I think back to a couple of episodes, episode 100, number 200, and number 300, we pulled those, or I guess not 300 because that was my parents, but we pulled those out as outliers to get that kind of average figure, and that stayed steady, 3.5, 3.6. Um, so, yeah, which is substantially more than probably most other studies that have been done in this space. Over the years, uh, which I guess adjusted for inflation may be kind of close, but yeah, it's three and a half million. And the other question is everybody wants to know should I invest in the market or should I invest in real estate or what should I do? How do I become a millionaire? What do I do? The reality is this, and this is not investment advice, but what we have from a data standpoint is there are about 70 plus percent of our millionaires that have exposure to what we would consider. Uh, equities in the market, whether that's through 401k plans, where it's direct investments into markets uh, or equities, stocks, bonds, etc., and also real estate. And that is usually beyond just a personal primary residence. So they may have a second home that we classify as a, a real estate thing. You know, if somebody's got three homes, which I don't think we've had very many of those, but uh, that would qualify uh, somebody with a primary and one rental that would qualify into that 70%. And then we have about 10% that have effectively, you know, just market investments, meaning they only have one primary residence and no investments in real estate at all outside of that. And so the very small subset of our pop, you know, a data set, so to speak, and that has changed over the years. That used to be a little higher towards fifteen percent, but that's dropped down a little bit, uh, closer to ten now. And then the rest, twenty-ish percent, uh, which may not feel this way because as of recent, I feel like we've had a lot of real estate investors, but we still have a lot of real estate investors that have, you know, eighty or ninety percent of the portfolio, but still have some market exposure. So we still count that in this, in this, you know, that seventy percent. The remaining twenty percent, pretty much have. Uh, just real estate, meaning they have never made or do not have any exposure uh, to the public markets. So very large proportionally, I guess, uh, from what you would expect. But at the same time, you know, we we have a lot of real estate heavy investors, or so it seems, but they also have, there are also several that have, you know, an old 401k plan or have put money into an HSA or what have you. And so they do have some of that market exposure. So bottom line is 70% uh, blended between everything, have investments across you know several asset classes, primarily the two in real estate and and uh, equities in the market. Those that have owned business or still have business ownership uh, typically find themselves in that seventy percent category uh, more often than not. We we don't see or haven't seen very many, if any, that I can even recall that were you know, owned a business, an operating business, and then put all of their money from an investment standpoint in real estate as an asset class by itself. So there you have it. Everybody that asks the question all the time. I'll point you to this episode. But it's it's an important question and I and I, I get it. I mean I when we started this thing, we kinda had some of these same questions of how is it really done? What do the portfolios really look like? Yeah, when we break down like the global portfolio, we still have quite a bit of those that have invested in alternative assets. So whether it be, you know, gold or crypto or private equity funds or venture capital, small, 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 you know, of the 1.2 plus billion dollars in global net worth that we've interviewed, uh, approaching one three oh pretty here, pretty soon, um, most of those are most of that value, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it lies in you know, kind of the main call it two to three asset classes between business, equity, real estate, and public market uh, exposure. But a small, but yet growing, I think it's about less than two percent right now, um, is in alternatives. So your cryptos, which have taken took a hit earlier, but have had some resurgence as of recent. So that could change, uh, but. Yeah, so there you have it on the asset allocation of the millionaires that have appeared on Millionaires Unveiled at this point, which is over 300 plus guests and growing. And uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting.
0: So interesting. Thanks for sharing those facts and figures. We certainly see most of our millionaires that we're interviewing um, investing in real estate. And we always dive into that, how they're managing it, if they're wanting to grow it, if they're wanting to keep it. And uh, it's interesting how they've had very different paths. Uh, some of them want to have a hundred doors. Some are happy with two doors or three doors and, and, uh, and don't want to grow that at all. And it's just fun to watch everyone's financial journeys and, and uh, how they've built wealth as families or as individuals.
1: Yeah. I think one of the probably most surprising stats or interesting things, and this has been kind of the theme in the case for a couple of years now is the lack of participation in an HSA. And the reason I think that's so interesting to me is it, it, relatively new vehicle from an investment standpoint or even a, a you know use standpoint for your personal life as it relates to your health. However, we talked to a lot of millionaires that are on the verge of retirement or are thinking about retirement and one of their main concerns is healthcare costs and what to do about healthcare in general. And so I would expect from a investment standpoint that more would be utilizing that vehicle because of its tax advantages, the triple tax savings that come with it and its ability to also act as potentially another retirement account, you know, depending on how you utilize the withdrawal from it. So that's been surprising to me. I'm still waiting. I think, I don't know, HSA's what we're almost on their 20th year now, which I still feel like is in an infancy in some respects. They're a little bit older, or I guess a little newer than Roths. And I feel like Roths have been more widely adopted. But I mean, if somebody's maxed that out for 20 years now, I don't know. We got to be, there's got to be some people out there getting close to having, no, for sure. There's got to be, there's got to be people that have gotten close or have seven figure HSA balances, which if you're out there and you're listening and you've got one, I'm interested. <laughs>
0: we want you on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I, you know, the 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 consistency to put away in that for 20 years to have adopted such an early time period of utilizing them. And if not, we're probably going to start to see some soon, I would imagine, especially with the kind of more recent bowl run this year specifically, where I feel like a lot of people have had some had We have a few people on that have had six-figure accounts, but, you know, a, a seven-figure account I think we gotta begin close we, way, way the bull market's been for the last you know several years here, but who knows? Maybe maybe I'm off base on that, but uh, if not, it's gonna be it's gonna be soon. There's gotta be. Yeah, I'm just running my math here.
0: One of the great things about being married to Jace is he has his time value money calculator out at any given time. It could be a stoplight, it could be at dinner. I don't know, but <laughs> he's always calculating something or just his regular calculator app. It's something I appreciate about him.
1: Yeah, I got old. I can't do it in my head anymore. Just kidding. I used to do a lot more in my head, but the calculator pretty nice. Well, they told
0: nice. us we were never going to have, there are going to be times in our lives we didn't have calculators with us, and they were wrong.
1: Yeah, little they know, we have this iPhone device that literally <laughs> has like the most amazing computing power of calculating mind power. I mean, it just blows my mind. I just pull up, any, you know, five of these apps, and it's like, all right, put all the inputs in real quick, or run me a model. Or pump it into AI and let that do it real fast. It's mind-blowing. It's like, man, you know, I, I, why did I spend all that brain power to memorize all these formulas and figure out how to calculate and all the rules and dragging decimals and all the little tricks that I guess I probably still know some of them, but not as many as I used to. At any rate, though, still looking for that seven-figure HSA account or maybe even a half million. There's got to be some people out there with half million for sure if we haven't hit the million mark. But I bet there's, I bet there's some that are getting close that have invested well and... You know, track a market return and max it out every year, and not used it, but that still is surprising to me that we just don't have more participation uh, across the board from our millionaires in that in that category. I think the other thing that's been interesting is you know I think a lot of people in the media and you've got people like Daniel Mack who I got to get that guy on the podcast one day. He'd be fun. I think he and I would get along well. But uh, you know, the drive flashy cars and fancy cars, and we've had a few more of those this last year than I would have ever thought. However. The car of choice still seems to be. And granted, it's all over the board, but Tesla still seems to be the one that most choose as a percentage. Granted, it's all over the board still, so it's not like it's a leading indicator by any stretch of the imagination. But it has been interesting to watch that change in, you know, be- behavior. And I don't know if it's related to Elon and the brand of Tesla, or if it's more related to the fact that you know. It is electric and you can save money and there are a lot of state incentives and federal incentives and everything else to buy those things uh, or, you know, just getting off of oil dependency or what, but it has, uh, it has been the car of choice more often than not with those that we've had uh, the car conversation, which has been interesting, but it has been a lot of Model 3s, not as many Model Xs and Model Ss as I would have thought, which has shown that, you know, they're getting more affordable.
0: Yeah, we're we're still waiting on our Tesla. I think Jay said, "Oh gosh, it's been probably six years since he's been chomping at the bit for for a Tesla." And what did we just buy? We just bought the opposite of a Tesla.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we, bus.
0: We just bought a full-on Ford Transit twelve passenger van, and I love it so much. <laughs> but one day we'll have a cool sports car. But <laughs> right now, the functionality is supreme. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's what happens when you got three kids and you're adding twins to the mix. You got to, uh, you got to upgrade to these these buses, as I'm calling them, because it's like driving a bus.
0: It is, I know. And we've had a suburban, which I also still love the suburban. We'll keep it, but I I don't like my kids touching <laughs> the car, and we we do a lot of sports and activities and stuff. So nice to just throw it all in the back. But one day we I know our I know our next house is definitely going to have a setup for a Tesla. We'll see if a. We'll see when and if it finally actually gets added.
1: Yeah, I set that goal. I put that one down on paper. I hit the mark when I said I was going to buy it. And then I got to the point and felt like I couldn't afford it. So, and I still feel like I can't afford it.
0: <laughs> I think one of your most oft repeated phrases is, we got to make more money. I know, I never know if we're doing well or if we are in the poor house <laughs> because house. Jace oscillates depending on the day. <laughs>
1: I don't either. It, ch- it changes drastically because, you know, I go to a grocery store and all of a sudden, like, the milk I'm buying is like 25% higher. And it's like, crap, when is this going to stop? You know, inflation's gone out of control. And then, you know, you get your property tax bill, you get every single bill, and it's like, holy cow. Anyway, the other thing that I would mention that I thought has been kind of an interesting trend amongst millionaires, I thought more often than not, we would start to see. A migration, or from a portfolio management standpoint, most millionaires would gravitate towards, you know, a particular brokerage house, for example. And to my surprise, that has not been the case at all. In fact, it is all over the board. They use millionaires that come on our show use all of the different ones you can ever think of, whether it's Robinhood or whether it's Vanguard or whether it's T. Rowe Price or whether it's Charles Schwab or. E Trade now. There's been some consolidation with TD TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab and stuff. But for the most part, they use them all. Optum, HSA Bank. I mean, there's so many different companies, providers out there, and yeah, not one of them really stands out uh, for the most part. That one that our millionaires gravitate towards because they they utilize a bunch of them.
0: And we're on the same boat. We utilize several of them ourselves. I get I get the emails. I don't manage them, but I get the emails. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is true. And I've, I mean, some of them I've had established for so long that, you know, I guess it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks. And sometimes I've consolidated and some of the, some of the ones I've been with have bought out or in some cases, you know, there's very few ESA providers, which most people probably don't even remember what ESA is or know that they still even exist. Uh, but, you know, those, there's just fewer that have essentially everything, I guess. And so in some respects, I feel like I was forced to use more than I probably wanted to, but we've done some consolidation. But nonetheless, that's a that, that's an interesting thing. I would have thought that, you know, and there's some that I think some, in, we had like Motif investing, like at one point was utilized and that's gone. I think I they're out of that. business. Yeah. So there's been some that have either gone out of business or been consolidated. Um, you know, I think the other thing that I would mention too is there are a lot of millionaires that don't have you know, that are not uh, as far along with their estate planning as you would expect. So lack of wills, lack of trust set up, lack of, you know, just in general, kind of that estate planning that you would expect to see uh, start to take place. And it gets a little different probably for everybody as the levels of wealth grow. But uh yeah, I would expect you know, more often than not some of that to be taken care of. And when we have some of these and we don't get into this discussion quite a bit, uh, on the podcast, because quite frankly, we find that a lot of them don't have anything done. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to have a discussion around when they've never done it or, you know, it's not that they don't think it's important. It just, you know, it takes time. It takes money. You got to hire the right people. And it's a kind of a hire that you typically probably are never involved in and also don't get that many good referrals, and because, you know, it's not like you're transacting your, uh, your estate planning documents, you know, on the weekly or the monthly or the annually. And so is your neighbor, Joe. And that's what you're kind of, you know, kicking around the curb on the 4th of July party about is, Hey man, who you been using for your estate planning documents? It's just not a conversation that, that happens.
0: I think you make a good point, And I think I'm going to start that conversation on our, uh, at the
1: park, I think, <laughs> I will die if you start talking to the park the park moms about their estate <laughs> the planning <next> documents.
0: <laughs> you show up at the park. I'm going to be having an estate planning conversation. Done.
1: I mean, nothing probably puts me to sleep faster than probably talking about that stuff. But it, it is no, no, important. No, no, a
0: movie, a movie puts you to sleep faster. <laughs>
1: okay, maybe a movie sometimes. But that 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 stuff's important and it is part of my annual plan. I go through every single account every year. I make sure that everything's set up from a beneficiary standpoint that nothing's changed, and if it has changed, I make the adjustments. Then I try to remember when we have kids, but and to do that, but I, it's just some practice I've gotten into doing it annually, uh, which takes place this week. Surprise, surprise! So make sure that's all set and good to go. And but nonetheless, the estate planning—I've been surprised that uh, we haven't seen more of that, uh, especially with those that are worth you know two and three and five and ten. Because in some cases, that's probably who needs it the most.
0: You know, actually, that reminds me of a tragic event that happened recently to a friend of ours. And that got you thinking about business planning if a tragic event were to occur.
1: Yeah, no, definitely with key man insurance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you'd never think some of this stuff's going to happen. But then you watch it happen to some people that are close to you. and You're like, holy crap, like, it's a big deal. It's a big mess to unravel. Uh, so yeah, something that I guess we made some changes to in the last year, specifically related to our stuff, but yeah, at any rate risk, risk mitigation, uh, you know, the transfer of risk is something that is something everybody, you know, I feel like that we have on the show has some level of thought through, uh, in some cases, you know, get a mortgage, your insurance or your mortgage company lender is going to make you put insurance on a property. But in terms of carrying an umbrella policy and what limits look like and all that kind of stuff, uh, most of our millionaires have had some sort of risk mitigation plan in place. But, you know, it's probably not something from a holistic standpoint that is reviewed as in-depth as it probably needs to be. And some of that stuff, you know, umbrella policy is pretty cheap in general. So, that brings us to the the not-so-fun-slash-fun stuff that everybody asks about. And that's the... Lessons learned or things changed from our standpoint because we went on. I went, we were on our own podcast. What I think like episode 161 ish. Is that right? I, think I, have,
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's
1: 161. But so what's changed? Not a whole lot. I still love my three legged stool of having, you know, roughly or trying to keep a roughly a third in the market, uh, most of that in tax advantaged retirement accounts a third in real estate, and then a third in, in real And I say real estate, I kind of f- thrown in primary into that, although I try to keep the primary uh, below about 10% of total net worth. And then the last piece is, is business, and that substantially has grown, so it's been a little more difficult to kind of keep it there. But that's kind of where my head's at to try it from a portfolio management standpoint is where I try to be and then end up having a little bit more in cash than I probably would like to over time. But that also, you know, makes it a little easier to sleep at night too. Yeah, nothing, nothing on that front's changed. So continuing to invest in small businesses, uh, franchises, etc, on the business front, and then the, the real estate, and you mentioned a little earlier that I guess the one shift that we've had a little bit is going more from kind of that single family, uh, you know, rental space to some more multifamily trying to get that economies of scale, which is probably a natural progression for most that, uh, tend to invest in real estate and the single families have done well, but we've sold some and kind of redeployed some of that capital into other things. And, uh, yeah, that's about the, that's, for my standpoint, I don't know that that's really going to change much. I will say this though on that. I thought, I know, I'm in my mid thirties now. I thought at one point I would get to this point and I probably be like, Hey, I've got critical mass in my tax advantage accounts and market investments. I don't need to put anything in, in them anymore. I think I had that thought back when I was maybe, I don't know, late twenties, maybe hitting 30. That has changed for me. So I don't have any plans, at least in the next five years or maybe even 10 years. I'm kind of a reevaluate on this every year, but really every five years in my head of whether to stop or slow down those contributions just because I didn't feel like the, you know, the, the, the momentum wasn't there to get the dollar for later versus maybe potentially spending that dollar today or putting it into something else for that dollar today. Part of that has probably changed because of inflation. Part of that has changed when I run the math. I'm like, well, that may, you know, that may be something that's worth putting away and continuing to put away. Uh, The other part is, you know, I've had a few conversations with some buddies that are, you know, significantly ahead of where I am and told me that they had a lot of the same thoughts and then went through this process at my age when they were my age and were like, look, You just never can get those years back to add back to it if you ever wanted to. And so that kind of changed. So I don't have any plans on slowing or stopping and not maxing out any of those accounts. We'll see if that changes at 40 or 45 or maybe even 50. I think there will be a point where I do say, eh, there's no point in adding too much more, but maybe not. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I feel like, you uh always like to hedge your risks. So I, I do remember those conversations five and six years ago that, you know, we're gonna max these out and then we're gonna stop. But um but that that has not occurred and that's all right. We're good with that. I feel good about that.
1: Yeah, the other thing is I've changed my mind on putting money and value into a primary residence I used to think it was worthless and not you know didn't want to do it but as a growing family and spending a lot of time in the house and making a lot of memories I've I've changed my tune on that a little bit I think you know I'm leaning in putting a little bit more into a house than I probably ever thought I would and I'm okay with that and I'm excited about it and that's not something that I ever thought I would probably say or would be something on the radar. I thought, you know, have a modest house and not that it's not modest that we're going to move into, but, you know, times change, things change a little bit. And I've realized that I spend a lot of time at the house and, you know, my office where I spend a good chunk of time is important and, you know, hosting and having people over and having room for the kids to play and people to stay is, is important to us. And so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, what else are you going to spend the money on? You're going to save it down for when you're 60 to go on a bigger trip. I think I'll probably still go on the bigger trip then and not worry about it and spend a little extra then. But I'm okay spending a little more now too, between that and investing in some more experiences uh, that normally I would have probably naturally wanted to put away for later, but I'm willing to them now. And par- par- reading the book that I was zero again, uh, you know, reiterated that to myself.
0: And we're all grateful for that epiphany that you've had. <laughs> we, we meaning me. No, uh, no, we're, we're excited about, about, um, some, some home plans we've got. So for me, I think the home has always been important because, you know, that's where your family gathers. It's where you make memories, um and just having a home that's conducive to your lifestyle and your family's needs is important but um yeah we're we're excited to make some more memories have some more space for hosting and um just have things a little bit more comfortable also we never thought we would ever work out at home <laughs> that was a a big surprise we always thought we'd have a gym membership and we've been working out at home for Oh gosh, like four years now almost? Around the time of COVID is when we dropped our gym memberships. We also live someplace where the closest gym, like good gym, is like twenty-five minutes away. So it's just too far with how young our kids are to make it worth it to make the trek. So just in terms of having gym equipment in the house <laughs> has been uh, has been a little challenging. So we're we're happy to have a little a little space for that and um uh, and yeah, just be able to Makes more memories at home.
1: I think the other thing too that I've realized is, you know, we talk about about these experiences that are important to us and the memories that we make and the millionaires. I mean, it's 95% that's what's important to them is making these memories and spending on the experiences. And I've really started to think more of like, okay, you know, I have a an experience with a vacation or with an outing you know, whether it's a specific dinner or an event or whatever that might happen. And those are important, but it's also about, there's also a, a level of importance to the daily experience and, and what that looks like, uh, you know, from your lifestyle. And you mentioned the gym and working out and it's like, that brings a lot of joy. Like, and I want a dedicated space with all my workout equipment that I can go. That's like personal gym. It's like, Hey, this is part of the daily experience that's important. And so, and I can create that in my own environment, right? And, you know, put the cold plunges there and the saunas and all the things that are important to me now from a health standpoint that maybe weren't previously. And that's been a little bit of a mind shift. I used to think about the experiences as like, hey, I needed to have these like four or six blocked off. And I do, those are important, but I don't want to lose sight of that daily experience that, is also important. that Sometimes in the monotony of everything gets forgotten because it's spent so much time worried about what that next experience is going to be or that next vacation or that, you know, that thing that you might remember better that you spent, you know, and saved for or whatever that happens during spring break every year or whatever. And so that's been a huge shift. I think this last year from the podcast and talking to several of these millionaires.
0: I think another piece of that comes from watching our parents age, which is weird anyway, <laughs> but um it's it's weird to watch your parents get older, but we've seen our parents lose interest in things that used to be a big goal of theirs, you know, wanting to drive a certain car or wanting to, you know, go on a certain trip and then always saving and saving and like looking forward to this at some future date. And then they get older and don't want to do it anymore. And they kind of miss that mark on enjoying that because that, that moment is gone. The desire is gone. And so I think that it's been important to us to kind of see some of those opportunities or interests now when we have some of that youth on our side, energy and excitement about something. So um, yeah again i mean we love we love that book Dive with zero and how much it's influenced us, and again, always taking the precaution and you know setting things up for your future self like you need, but grabbing onto the things that excite you now as you can
1: awesome well that's a, a great update I hope that the i don't know tens of fifties or hundreds emails i don't know how many I get on this every year, but uh and keep in mind, I do respond to most of them, but or I tried to anyway, it's getting a little more difficult, but uh, hopefully that covers it. If you have any other specific questions, I'm happy to answer. Just reach out, at com. It's going to leave six-ish uh, things that uh, do to wrap up the, the new year, or I guess the end of year to wrap up the new year. Actually, it'll probably be a little more than six, but some important things that... Uh, started to take into our lives and from a consideration standpoint, I think are, are, are great. I mean, these were shared in conjunction with several different millionaire interviewees that we've had on the show and things that we've kind of applied from various things they've shared. So number one, reflect on the year achievements, lessons learned. Uh, Number two, handwritten messages of gratitude to those, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people that have played an integral part in what you've done and accomplished in that year. a Great way to uh, show some appreciation and continue to expand your network and whatnot. Number three, this one's always hard for me. Let's create a no more list. What are you going to say no to going forward? What are you going to give up and uh, make that turn into a new habit? Number four, which is Achilles heel for me right now, is some organization around office, garage, closet, car all the things that you're involved in in daily life that uh might get a little cluttered or you know a little holiday hangover if you will a little extra mail with all the christmas cards everybody gets and uh christmas tree and wrapping presents and all that stuff get that all kind of squared away uh number five plan out that first week first month of the year first quarter get get things dialed in don't wait a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in advance or down the road to try to uh, set some goals and and get things uh, planned out and accomplished.
0: I'm gonna jump in on this one.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, I think this has been mentioned before, but I'm a dietitian. I've done nutrition counseling for several years. But something that when it comes to goals and and um moving forward, I always like to ask the question. You know if you had a perfect day or perfect week, what would that look like? So anyway, when we talk about that first week or that first month, I mean, if you can't envision it, you're never going to achieve it. So being as concrete as you can um in that visualization, which I know that you used to think the visualization was like kind of hokey. <laughs> You've talked about that before, but um, yeah, so as you're planning ahead, if you had the perfect week or the perfect month, what does that look like, and also if you, if it's not perfect, I find that my client's biggest successes come from their ability to get back on the horse. So even if it's not perfect, what does the next day look like? No one's tainted your next hour, your next day, your next week, your next month. And I'm going to step away from my counseling soapbox. <laughs> back to you.
1: No, that's great. And yeah, that is probably one of, you know, my biggest closely held beliefs that I recently changed when I asked that question and put that in put that to the guy in the mirror I used to think a lot of that visualization stuff was like a little hokey and you know doing affirmations and all that but man I'm 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 a believer now if you will
0: oh and that was even an affirmation you're a believer
1: yeah exactly I mean every single time I've like started to do that stuff and like I mean we were looking at back at old stuff last night together and I'm like wow like that came to fruition and I accomplished that. And, you know, could it be that it just happened? Sure. But do all the little steps that take you there and the visualization. I mean, I did this a ton with sports. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, of course, I'm going to take the game winning shot. Of course, I'm going to like have the basketball in my hands and I want to take that shot. I want to have that pressure. But when it comes to other skills and things in life, like, yeah, I, had, I guess I had deviated from some of those practices of getting in the gym, listening to music playing that out in my head, like, you know, and not doing it and not applying it to other things. Cause I thought it was, you know, hokey, so to speak, but no, I don't think so anymore. I'm, I'm all about it. So I, I do a lot more of that than I ever thought I would. And, uh, yeah, it's important. It's kind of a part of a, I don't know, I wouldn't say daily ritual, but it's, it's, it's frequent that I have that as part of my, my thing. So, and then to wrap up, you know, look over, go over all the finances, I mean all of our millionaires say it multiple times that uh you know tracking their net worth to making sure all the things are in place the way they thought they are, and you know kind of having that annual review uh, i think is important I, I typically do all my stuff on and you know I run my life as a business now, I guess we do, and you know we we basically put together internal financial statements for our life monthly uh but annually is when kind of take a a little microscopic approach on everything and make sure everything's all buttoned up the way that we want it to be that limits on insurances are where there should be. And if we need to make any adjustments on any of those kinds of things, beneficiaries or names or whatever, all that's taken care of uh, on an annual basis. So yeah. One more thing. We've had a lot of requests for what?
0: Oh, I didn't know where you're going with this. We've had a lot of requests for some sort of like a meetup or an MU retreat. We love it. We're here for that.
1: Yeah. So I don't, I don't have anything to declare that we're going to do, but I've had enough requests and I've got, I guess, some momentum around it. We've talked about it a couple of times. My schedule, I was going to try to do this last fall. My schedule just was a little too crazy and didn't allow Uh, for me to really kind of plan something, put something together. But I think this next year, 2024, I think is the time to do it. So be and stay tuned for that. Probably what we'll do is invite guests who've been on the show first. And then depending on what kind of response we get, which so far we've gotten a ton of response that's been great. In fact, a lot of it asked for it. But uh, until we get actual kind of commitments, I've always kind of just like, I don't know, I've felt weird about meetups in general just because I, I don't really want to run a conference. I don't want to have like a big deal, but I do see the value in getting together with some of these people and meeting face-to-face and having good discussion about this and these topics. And sometimes it's hard to find, you know, networks of that kind of, you know, place to do that and feel comfortable and not, you know, whatever. So I I see the value in it. It's something that is uh, top of mind for this year. Uh, we'll probably look at doing something in the fall for it, and uh, once I have some more details, I'll let everybody know.
0: Do do we want to solicit feedback here? See what people are interested mean, in having.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, I'm that happy that to let like. them throw some stuff out there. Yeah, if you if you if you have a, some high opinions on it and you <laughs> want to attend, let me know. I'm happy. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to charge a bunch of money. I don't want to do all the stuff that I'm not interested in turning this into like some crazy business. Like I just not not. You know, I'm not in the I'm not in the world of trying to create events and do all that. It's just, I've got friends that have done it and some that do well at it, but it's just not something that I, you know, I'm happy to try to facilitate and getting, you know, a cool group of people together. I did something like this with a group of guys in a CEO retreat last year and, <laughs> and it provided a lot of value to my life and and something that I have now kind of made even do, into an annual tradition and getting around some of these people and doing things like that. And it was, you know, everybody paid in to cover the costs a little bit and, and, you know, it was a phenomenal weekend. And so I do see the value. That's the first time I'd ever done something like that uh, in particular, especially with a group of people. I'd never really not met none of them uh, previously to showing up there and yeah, you know, I'm hanging out in a room with 25 people doing breath work. It's pretty, uh, pretty surreal. And jumping in the jumping in the frozen frozen lake and sitting there for five minutes doing Wim Hof breathing and all that kind of stuff. But I think we'll do something. I've had enough requests for it. I've had a lot of people reach out about it over the years, and you know I keep in touch and I know a lot of our guests at this point. And some of them I think I probably had lunch or shared a meal with probably thirty or forty now, and so it's pretty good. It's like ten percent. And you know, some have become good friends. Actually, in some cases too. So, we are going to try to do it. We'll figure it out. Let you know what the details of it. Uh, but like I said, if you're interested, have some, you know, strong opinions. Let me know. Throw it out. And we'll, uh, we'll take it to heart and see what we can't do. Put together.
0: And also, this is fun for me to.
1: Yeah, stay don't, actually... Don't, don't
0: worry. You'll have you'll have a female in in the mix helping
1: organize. It. Let's let's, <laughs> let's be real. I probably am not very good at, th- that's why I don't want to do these things. I'm not very good. I, I, I can think of them and I can, you know, but I just, yeah, I need a lot of help in this in this arena. So with that, everybody have a happy, safe new year and we'll catch you on the other side. 2024, baby. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday
0: millionaire.